Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill. And this is a podcast about all of the dumb things that people will do for love. So welcome to episode 146. Welcome back, everybody. Oh, we're so happy to have you. We're so happy to be here. Jen, last night I did – have you ever have you ever seen like when people put books out and then they get to go on a book tour and they're like in conversation with someone else? Have you seen that? Wait, what? Have you like, heard – it's put like – books out where? Like, like they have a book released? Yes. <laughs> okay. They meant like outside on their front stoop. Like is this a thing? Um, okay, so they have a book release and then they have a conversation with somebody about it. And then they go on a book tour and then as part of the book tour, what they do, like instead of just like reading from their book, they will be in conversation. That's what it's called. It's like in conversation. Basically, somebody interviews them. Um, a lot of times when like famous people go out, they'll have their famous friends be in conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, I got to be the person who was the conversator the person in conversation for this awesome book. It's called Fat Girls Hiking. Summer Mashad Skog, who wrote this book um, all about just kind of like taking the stigma out of being um, fat and being outdoorsy. And it's like a guide and also just like this beautiful meditation um, and all like really great like memoiry. So anyway, it's a really great book. Yeah, it's a really great book. And my friend Grace, hi Grace, uh, now runs this awesome bookstore in St. Louis and they put on this event and she was like, I know someone who is into hiking. And who has experienced online and who has been on her own journey of like, you know, anti-diet culture. And so I got to have this great conversation with this really rad woman last night. That's amazing. So you did it like Zoom or? Yeah, we, uh, some, some platform. Yeah. That's Um, so cool. That's awesome. How'd it go? I think it went really well, I think. I was really nervous, but I did uh, I did a lot of prep, which is what I have to do <laughs> before mm-hmm. anything. Um, and uh, and I, yeah, I think it went really well. She was great. Um, she's really interesting and knows so much stuff and has a lot of cool things to say. And so um, anyway, if you want to check her out, she runs this online community called Fat Girls Hiking. Um, and it's basically just they're all about inclusive and representation in the outdoors, which is often just kind of seen as like, for uh super Super fit people super fit Mm -hmm. white people you know so um so yeah so she she's like created this whole community and it's really awesome and you can find them on like instagram at fat girls hiking so check it out i mean it's not just not just for women not just for fat people it's for everybody and that's kind of the point of it so check that out i will check it out yeah what do you say i have an update on a story okay. that I did, or a quickie okay. that I did a few months ago. Do you okay. quickie? We never do updates. We always need to do them, and then we never do them. Listen, Sally, I am a legitimate journalist, <laughs> and you're a podcaster. <laughs> 
I'm a hobby podcaster. <laughs> Listen, um, sorry, I take this very seriously. I know you too, Chen. I know you do. <laughs> Thank you for doing your research. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. No, I was researching for, I was trying to find a different quickie and then this article came up and I was like, oh, hey, look at that. Uh, but do you remember the story, uh, the quickie that I did months ago about the the man in Maryland that passed away um, and uh, and they didn't know why, but he, he when they went into his house, he had 124 pet snakes. Yeah, uh huh. Including uh-huh. a 14 foot long Burmese python. Yeah, and they were like, we think we got them all. Yeah, and they like rehomed them. Yeah, they re- yeah they had to <laughs> they put all the venomous snakes in like. North Carolina and all the venomous yes, snakes yes, yes, somewhere yes. else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the update? Does someone so, get bit? No, the update is they found out the cause of his death. Was it a snake bite? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Way to take the wind out of my uh, update. Yes, it was a snake bite. Are you are you shocked? Are you shocked? Surprised? I am flabbergasted. It definitely was. Uh, yes. Yeah, so apparently, the officials with the Maryland State Medical Examiner's Office just confirmed this past Wednesday that the person, his name was David Ritson, uh, Ristin. Uh, died of a venomous snake bite, and his death was ruled uh, accidental. Yeah, that's awful. <sighs> it is awful. I know. I, mean, I just wanted to update because I'm sure everybody was wondering, like, what was the what cause happened? of death? And that's yeah. what it was. I feel like a jerk for making light of it. I'm not making light of it. I just wanted to update everyone on what the cause of death was. I mean, listen. I mean, Jen, you're yeah, a journalist. I am you, a journalist. You tell the story as it comes to you. Story. <laughs> you can't choose whether it's going to be sad or happy. You exactly. Choose, you're just telling the people the story they want to hear. Listen, it's about the truth first, <laughs> and everything else is second. Uh, well, I expect you to now be tracking every single story you've ever told in case there might be an update. It's so. my journalistic responsibility <laughs> to do so. And I will. Oh, well, this is great. I can't wait. Um, okay, well, let's get into our quickies. Let's do it. All right, I am up first. Okay, I just saw this video, but apparently there is a video that went viral of a guy. Have you seen this? He came out of a coma, and then 11 months later, he won the lottery. Have you seen that? Okay, uh -uh. okay. So I'm going to tell you about this guy because it is crazy. Okay, so Bill Morgan in June of 1998, he had a heart attack, and for 14 minutes, he was had no pulse. Oh, wow. Um, but somehow the doctors revived him, and he spent 15 days in a coma. Wow. And actually, during that time, the hospital told his family that they were going to turn off the machine um, because they were like, even if he comes to, he's going to be brain dead because he was dead for 14 minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, but his sisters were like, no, like, Please don't take them off. So there was actually a specialist from another hospital who was like, look, we will take him, but we're going to use him as a, as a test subject and we'll try a couple different things, but we can't guarantee that anything was going to work. So he went to this other hospital and after 15 days, he sat up in bed. 
Oh, wow. And it was like a medical miracle. About 11 months after this, he says, I went every week. I, he's from Australia. So you should so be doing do the accent. accent. <laughs> no, you do that. So. Good day, mate. I'm from Australia. And every week I buy, that's as far as like, okay. <laughs> he buys his lotto ticket and a $5 scratch off. Um, he does that every week. He's always done it. And so he buys the scratch off and he says, I said out loud, I think I've won a car. And sure enough, I had. Um, and he said, you know, it was awesome, but it wasn't like such a big deal to him until all of a sudden, like somehow the newspapers and the TV stations got wind of it. And they're like, what a feel good story. This guy who was in a coma for 15 days won the lottery. So um, so they ask him to be on all these interviews. So one news station was like, hey, we want you to kind of like reenact it so you can go like go up to the counter, get another scratch off. Um, you know, we'll just get like a shot of you like scratching it off since you do it every day. So as they're filming him, he goes and gets the scratch off and he's scratching it off and he turns to the cameraman and he goes, I just won $250,000. Oh my God. So while he was reenacting and the guy was like, oh, good joke. And he was like, I am not joking. And he said, it hit me like a ton of pricks. I thought I was going to have another heart attack there and them. So it's like that footage of him being like, I just won $250,000. Like just that sequence has been like, that was like, it. apparently it was like huge at the time it happened. And then in 2020, of course, like when everybody needed, like in April of 2020 and when everybody needed just like- Feel good story. A feel good story. Yeah. This like went viral again and people came- came back around to ask him about it. And then I just saw it two days ago and was like, this is amazing. But so the the thing about it is that he has basically, like what he did with the money, he took it and he bought a house. And then he proposed to his girlfriend. Aww. And he said that um, when he's asked about like, winning the lottery he, and and all of everything that happened, he says that he is just really grateful for the extra 22 years he's had to enjoy with his wife, Linda. So that's what makes it a love story. That's um, so I was waiting for it. Yeah, yeah. I know it's going to bring it back around. Like he um, loves money. He loves, he loves money and lottery. We love, we love luck. <laughs> <laughs> um, he said, you know, he was like, I won $250,000. The house I live in, I own. He like went and bought it outright. And he said, I've got a nice enough car that I own. He said, but the biggest thing is that I've got a bonus of 22 years. And that's the way you have to live your life. That's so, so sweet. I yeah. love it. Good quickie. Thanks, man. Good job. My quickie uh, this week is a, a good old-fashioned listicle like yeah. we love to do. <laughs> a busy week listicle. Uh, a busy, busy week <laughs> listicle. But this is a fun one. And it's for um, one of our favorite listicle sources, BuzzFeed. Uh, and it's written by Asia McLean. But it's 17 totally cringeworthy and seriously hilarious breakup stories I wasn't prepared for. Is the love title it. of the song. Can Tell me this, Jen. Were you prepared for I those stories? I wasn't prepared for them. <laughs> I, I knew it. I knew it. Not a single one. <laughs> All right, give them to me. Okay. This one's crazy. Okay, this one says, I broke up with my boyfriend because he was always putting me through tests to show my loyalty. Ugh. I know. And then it says, well, a few weeks later, I heard that he'd overdosed on pills from his parents' medicine cabinet and died. Uh-oh. I know. She said, I felt horrible, like it was all my fault. I didn't even have the heart to reach out to his family or attend his funeral. 
But the day after the funeral, I got a text from his phone <gasps> and it turns out he wasn't dead. He never overdosed. It was just one of those, uh, one of his tests to see how I would react. The oh. dude literally faked his own death and then um, sent me a text that said, just so you know, I'm over you. <laughs> I know. Isn't that That's crazy? Like, uh, I remember the, like, the very first quick you did was a guy who... Faked like his faked his death. death and then proposed. Yes, and she said yes, <laughs> and she said yes. It's wild. That is so wildly narcissistic and fucked up to me. Oh, oh. People are crazy. Okay, so this one says, um, "This one made me laugh so hard." My sister broke up with her boyfriend in the school parking lot as we waited for our mom to pick us up. Well, he didn't take it well. And when my mom arrived and we got in the car, he literally jumped on her hood and crawled along the car to the passenger side window, begging her to reconsider. The school resource officer had to drag him away, crying and screaming Weezer lyrics at my sister. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm really trying to figure out which Weezer lyrics it could be. That's gonna like drive me crazy. I'm gonna be up all night long and then be like, Ooh, Ow! Yeah, like just buddy yeah. Holly. <laughs> oh my god, my name is Jonas. <laughs> I don't know. It's gonna drive me nuts. Um this one says I this is a weird way to break up with someone, but she said I decided um to break up with my cheating boyfriend over Instagram by posting a cute selfie caption, love being single. But when my boyfriend saw it, he replied, LOL, autocorrect. He actually thought I meant to type love Pringles. I guess maybe she was in a, was she holding Pringles? <laughs> I don't really understand. This one I thought was really funny. I broke up with my boyfriend in a park and he literally climbed up a tree to cry up there. <laughs> I didn't know what to do, so I just waited around for him to come back down. (laughs) Can you just imagine her standing there like, are you finished? (laughs) Do you need help? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Just like, come down. Just come down. I know. Don't know. This one's funny. It says, I was visiting a friend from college and my boyfriend was calling and texting me nonstop. I tried to explain to him that I wanted to spend uninterrupted time with my friend who I rarely got to see, but he didn't seem to get it. So finally, I blocked him to get some peace. Well, 20 minutes later, I got a Venmo notification from him requesting the amount of the bill from our last dinner. And the caption said, since you clearly don't care about communication, consider this our breakup. My friends (laughs) saw it on their Venmo feed and thought it was hilarious. (laughs) I mean, talk about someone with no boundaries. Yeah, that's uh, that. I'm, yeah, that relationship <laughs> needed to end. Yeah, um, but that is funny. Um, to give, I love when like when people do stuff like that, and it's like they think they're being like, "Yeah, see, you're gonna you're gonna be yeah. so now you're sorry, gonna be yeah, sorry. now you're sorry." And yeah. It's just like, oh no, this is why <laughs> this is why I need to go. I once had. I don't know if I should tell this. I'm going to tell it. Okay. Uh, I once had a guy that I dated like seriously after we broke up sent me like months after we broke up sent me plans for his new house and was like, see what you could have. Oh, <laughs> my God. Wow. <laughs> Talk about bitter. That Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, what? like I was already I was engaged. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, no, it's 
cool. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. I'm so glad you're. Oh God. Oh man. So those are little like <laughs> gifts from the universe. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> Made the right choice. Wonderful. Um. This one says, as I was breaking up with my college boyfriend, a friend of ours drove by and yelled, couple of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, Um, that's amazing. uh, This one says, in high school, when the guy I had a massive crush on asked me to be his girlfriend, I was ecstatic until I found out that he and his family are super religious. He, He refused to hug or hold hands. And because he wasn't allowed to spend time alone with someone of the opposite sex, he wouldn't admit to his parents that we were dating. At one point, he even told me that the reason I have back problems is was because God was smiting me for not praying enough. <laughs> <laughs> But he was still devastated and confused when I broke up with him. He called me crying on the phone every day for two weeks. And then he egged my parents' house. Oh, my God. God. So what made Uh, you have a crush on this? It had to just be be that, like, high school crush of, like, you look like someone I should have a crush on. So I have a crush on you. But then knowing nothing about his personality at all. Well, and just being like, you like me, so I like you. You know, like, oh, man, the same same boyfriend who sent me the the uh, the house. He egged your parents' house. No, but he we lived together, and he wouldn't tell his parents because they were super religious. Oh, <laughs> so, like, I lived there, but it was a secret and sin. Like in another state, it wasn't like we were just like, oh, we lived in the same city. Like I moved there to Florida <laughs> to live with him. Oh wow! And he was just like, yeah, she's just visiting a lot. That, yeah. I'm glad that relationship is over, Sally. And uh, that guy is my husband. <laughs> no, no, just kidding. Okay. Um, this one says, when I was a sophomore in high school, I was pretty good friends with this one guy. Well, one day I was reading in one of the classrooms when he walked in and broke up with me. Apparently he thought we had been dating for a year and I had no idea. <laughs> Oh, that just breaks my heart for that guy. Yeah. Like what was was going on in his head for that whole year. Right? Poor thing. (laughs) Poor guy. He's like, we're breaking up because you never acknowledge that I'm your boyfriend. You just treat me like a friend. (laughs) Never once. (laughs) You never kissed me. You never held my hand. You never looked at me in the eye. High school relationships, man. That's so funny that you would like, (sighs) Yeah. You I can, can totally, totally confuse that, an entire yeah. relationship. Yeah, this one's funny. Okay, I'll, I'll do one more. And this one's funny. Oh, it made me laugh anyway. Um, this, uh, this one says, I was in my college apartment trying to break up with my boyfriend and he started crying and telling me that he would change. Well, at that very moment, my roommate, who knew I was trying to dump him, started blasting Taylor Swift's We Are Never Getting Back Together <laughs> from the next room. <laughs> and that made him start bawling even harder. Oh, <laughs> poor guy. But she, and then she said, "But hey, my roommate offered him cookies on his way out." That roommate is <laughs> quite the shitster. Yeah, <laughs> she was just waiting there with fresh baked cookies, like bye bye now, goodbye. Bye. <laughs> oh, I mean, I feel like he fresh must hot have towel. Been. Just like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he must have been a real shithead, you know, probably, or maybe probably. she is. Both, probably both. Maybe they're all (laughs) shitheads. They're all in college. Most likely they're all shitheads. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. John, I got to tell you, I know that they're usually, they're like the easy thing to do, but I love a fucking listicle. I mean, me too. 
<laughs> thanks for thanks for brightening my day. I love that. No, my pleasure. Hey, Jen. Hey, Sally. Are you ready for a crazy story? I am. Okay, I got my information from a Daily Mail article, a Daily Mail article by Daniel Bates, the Department of Justice website, the Sydney Morning Herald, and the ID network show web of lies have you seen it web of lies no my brother did write a commercial for taco bell and it was called web of fries do you remember that (laughs) (laughs) oh no but that's great um oh yeah it was on the super bowl and everything it was great oh yeah yeah, starring josh dumel i do remember good job shout out to babe Baby, baby. Um, so this is like Web of Lies. I, th- I feel like you would really enjoy it because it is one of those that has like really dramatic reenactments, like really light on story details, but oh, really yeah. heavy on totally, I'm sure, made up conversation. Hell yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It's great. So. All right. So in 2008, a 26-year-old handyman, Brian Heil, was living with his 86-year-old grandma, Virginia DeWitt, in a mobile home in Fremont, Michigan. He had moved there with his brother after his mom had lost the house from bankruptcy. And he was just kind of a loner. He hadn't been very lucky in love. He was a good-looking guy, but he was also just very weird. (laughs) He was weird. Mm -hmm. He was, um, you know, it was like most of us, like in 2008, he was spending a lot of his free time online. He was really into the internet, he played lots of video games. And on one game, he started talking to other people. And that is where he met this woman named Stephanie who lived in South Africa. And he and Stephanie hit it off immediately. Like, first of all, she's gorgeous. She was blonde, young, she had a hot body. Um, but even more, like, Brian didn't have a lot of people he felt like he could talk to. And Stephanie was someone that he really connected with. They would chat online for hours. They started sending um, sexy pictures back and forth. And it seemed like as much as he was into her, she was into him. She was asking him to send her pictures. And it wasn't long after they got together that Brian was telling his grandma that he was in love. But of course, like Brian has an older brother, so his brother was teasing him all the time, being like, your girlfriend's not real. Why would this hot girl from South Africa need to find a boyfriend online? Um, but Brian was like, he was a cute guy. And he told Brett that he and Stephanie had like real chemistry. And I assume it's just like, you know, all they were doing was like all sex talk all the time, you know? <laughs> and so it's like, you don't have any of like the, when you know someone in person, any of the annoyances, et cetera, that happen in a real relationship. So right. they probably were very happy. But then, I mean, despite Brett's doubts, Brian and Stephanie actually were together for two years and they were like talking back and forth all the time. But after all this time, like, although they talked on the phone all the time, they had never actually video chatted over Skype, which Brian was always asking to do. And and actually, like over the two years of them being together, Skype had become more prevalent. I don't know if you remember when that kind of yeah. became huge and it was during that time. And so he's like, what it, there's seemed like... There was no more excuse for Stephanie not to yeah, video chat. Yeah, two years and no Skype. That's a little crazy. Right. And so, you know, all of Brett's teasing started to erode the confidence that Brian had in their relationship. So Brian was like, I'm going to just figure this out for sure. So he asked Stephanie 
um, a question that would prove that she was who she said she was. He sent her a message and said, will you do me a favor? Can you send me a picture giving a salute? And so the the DA who was on the Web of Lies show, uh-huh. it was like the most awkward person you can ever imagine. And he's like probably the last person I would go to the internet like go to with like internet related questions he was like well in the online world a salute is how people confirm each other's true identity is that so (laughs) i I I have no idea (laughs) i don't think so i think he was just asking for her to do a specific thing to see if she would do it right then um i don't i mean maybe i don't know but it does i i don't think so anyway so he asked for this picture and stephanie says no and that just that no, instant no, was enough to break the spell. So for the first time in two years, he becomes suspicious and he does what is the first thing you should do if you're in an online relationship with someone you have not met in person. And he does a reverse Google image search. Mm -hmm. And what he finds are pictures of Stephanie, um, the ones that she said were only sent to him all over the internet. They were on porn sites. They were used everywhere under all sorts of different names. And so Brian realizes that he has been catfished and he is devastated. So here's this guy who is already like a little bit emotionally unstable. He is, you know, he's a loner. He doesn't have a lot of friends. And now he finds out that the woman that he has been pouring his heart out to and he has been sending pictures of his junk to like every day for two years is not even real. This is a web of lies. It is a web of lies. So he gets super sad and then he gets really, really, really fucking pissed. Oh, yeah. So he tells his brother Brett that he is going to figure out who's behind this and that that person is going to pay. So around the same time, this is in the fall of 2010, a 23-year-old woman named Tiffany Watkins who lived in San Diego, California, is also feeling like her world is crashing down around her. She was just out of college and she's getting ready to move in with her boyfriend, David Cramford, when she gets a call from her best friend. Uh, Her best friend told Tiffany that her older brother had seen a picture of Tiffany on a porn website, and she thought that she should know. Oh, God. Wait, her older brother saw it? The best friend's older brother. Oh, okay. Yeah. They they say website, but it's very clear it's a porn website. Right, right, right. (laughs) Um, So Tiffany, you know, she's like, she's confused. She's embarrassed. She's crushed because she says, like, she has no idea how this could have happened. So she starts searching, and sure enough, pictures of her from when she was 18 in lingerie and bathing suits are all over the internet. Oh, man. Because apparently when she was 18, she had this new boyfriend, and she did what you do when you're a hot young person. She took pictures of herself, and she sent them to him, and then she stored those pictures along with a bunch of other just like mundane pictures of her life in a photo bucket account. Did you have a photo bucket account? No. Like a, f- a Flickr or something. But it was password protected. Mm-hmm. And then she stopped being 18 and she forgot all about those pictures. Right. So she had no idea that they had been hacked and that they were being used on all sorts of websites. So she finds pictures of herself with people just saying like the most vile things about her all over the internet. It's so completely violating. It's awful. And she starts trying to do everything she can to get them taken down but of course it's impossible no you know the internet's accessible and no one will take them down and she can't find them all and she can't even find out who administers most of these websites and one guy even like responds to her and was like 
told her that he would take them down in exchange for a sexual favor. And she's like, fucking men, you know? Yeah. So finally, she's like kind of is coming to terms with the fact that, look, these pictures are out there. Um, Yes, it sucks. And they're not something she would have posted herself, but it also is nothing she can do about it, right? So she's like, I'm just going to move on with my life. But it's really hard because one day she's like a few months after she finds the pictures, she's like finally feeling up for going out with some friends and they're all at this restaurant and this guy comes up to the table and he's like, Brittany, Brittany Cavallari. And he's talking to Tiffany Mm -hmm. and he's like, you know me. Stop pretending like you don't know me. And then he's like, this is your Facebook page. And he's showing her his phone and Tiffany is like, please go away. That's not me. Oh, my God. Yeah, she has to be aggressive with this guy. And so – and the guy is like, what are you talking about? This is you. This is you. And she just is like, go away. It's not me. You have the wrong person. Um, And so the guy backs down. But now she's like, fuck, there are people like pretending to be me on Facebook so she looks up this Brittany Cavallari Facebook page, and it is full of not just the sexy pictures, but also just fr- pictures of her friends and family, of her boyfriend. And this person who is pretending to be her is on there posting the most racist, homophobic, <gasps> awful things. Oh, my God. That would just feel so helpless, crazy feeling ever. Yeah, exactly. And so, And she went to the police, and they're like – Whoever created this page hasn't broken any laws. There's nothing they could do. And she – exactly. She was like, I felt helpless. I felt like something could happen to me and there was nothing I could do about it. And she was just feeling unsafe. She didn't want to go anywhere. She was like – first of all, there's this account that's saying it's me and it is saying these horrible things. And also there's pictures of me on porn site. Whoever's doing this to me is going to come and do something to me in person. And her boyfriend, David, who is – also feeling helpless to protect her. Um, He tries to comfort her by reminding her this is probably just some person in a basement, you know, somewhere who will never do anything in person. It's just an internet troll. So meanwhile, back in Fremont, Michigan, Brian Heil has gone down his own internet wormhole. He has become obsessed with finding out who catfished him. And he becomes convinced that if he can find the girl in the pictures, he'll figure out. He'll figure it out. He tells his brother Brett that he believes the woman in the pictures has something to do with it, even though Brett is like, she probably doesn't even know these pictures are out there. But Brian spends weeks and weeks doing internet searches and connecting threads until he finally narrows it down to a name, Tiffany Watkins. So he also pressed the person he'd been talking to, Stephanie, right, for answers. And finally, the person on the other end of the chat line admitted that they were not Stephanie, of course. In fact, they were not even a woman. So this discovery was probably what sent Brian even further over the edge because he is unfortunately incredibly homophobic. And so now he feels like he's been tricked into sending pictures of himself to a gay man. He is actually the quote is him saying to his grandma, it's a gay. I hate gay guys. Oh, God. That's it. It's a gay. So because the person posing as Stephanie claims that he lives in South Africa and because Brian has like never left his grandma's trailer, it's like South Africa is too far to go to. So he basically forgets about the person that actually catfished him and focuses all of his like self-hatred and embarrassment and anger at the person that he has a name for, Tiffany Watkins. 
So apparently he has some internet hacking skills because he figures out how to get access to Tiffany's Facebook page, her Gmail account. He downloads all of her contacts. He wow. Her, yeah, he knows her address. He knows her phone number. He knows who her boyfriend is, where her family lives. Um, and so he starts making a plan. He has this notebook and he starts writing down everything he will need to enact revenge on Tiffany. And and in the show, they just show him writing down duct tape and then Tiffany. Oh and my circling God. her name over and over. So wow, this story is taking a turn that I didn't see happening. You were not prepared. I was not uh, prepared. <laughs> um so I assume that's exactly what happened. He just circled her name a bunch of times. So a full year after he found out that he was catfished in August 2011, Brian decides that he is going to put his plan into action. He has decided that he is going to kill Tiffany and not just Tiffany, but also her boyfriend, David. <gasps> so he buys a bus ticket to California. And as he's leaving, he sees his brother, Brett, and he tells him that he is taking a trip to Texas. He's like, oh, I just need to get away. I'm going to maybe like try to find a job there. And Brett's like, hmm, that's weird because you've never left this town. So I'm going to go look, search in your room. So he goes to Brian's room. And that is where uh, he finds pages from the notebook that just said, Probably duct tape. Duct tape. Kill. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, and then he also finds a confirmation for uh, Brian's ticket on his computer that shows that he is actually going to San Diego, not to Texas. So as Brian is making his way across the country to California, St Tiffany starts getting phone calls with heavy breathing. It's like now been months and months since anything has happened. She's like kind of started to get over it. And now she starts getting these phone calls. And then Eventually, the person who's calling starts asking questions like in a super creepy voice, like, what are you wearing? What are you wearing? Just like over and over and over. And so she's having a nervous breakdown. And she and David start fighting because he's like, just ignore it. And she's like, I can't ignore it. And the police won't do anything. And so she is like, just doesn't know what to do. So Brett... Meanwhile, good on him, is worried that his brother is going to do something to harm Tiffany. He knows that Brian is obsessed with her. So Brett gets in his car. He drives to San Diego. He goes to the bus station where he knows that uh, Brian came into, and he starts putting up flyers around the bus station asking anyone if they've seen his brother. And he happens to question someone who saw him because they remember Brian being super agitated. And they were like, yeah, actually, he we dropped him in downtown San Diego. Uh-oh. So the day that Brett arrived, which was the day after Brian got there, Brian was already at Tiffany's house. He had a bag full of supplies he had the duct tape. He had now had zip ties. So apparently that was something he added to the list. He went up to Tiffany's door. He turned the handle and it was unlocked. Oh, no. But luckily, Jen, she wasn't home. So the stress of all the phone calls and the photos that she and David had been fighting. And so she had told him that she needed some space. So that night, Tiffany had gone to her sister's to stay the night. So she wasn't home. Thank God. Yeah. So Brian uh, was, was like, all right, I'll come back the next night. So he decided um, he made a list of additional things that he would need. He on In his notebook, he wrote trench coat, knife, chloroform. Jesus. Like, why do yeah. you can't remember that? Right. 
Like it's three fucking things. Just saying, like how dramatic. (laughs) Circle, 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 circle. Yeah. (laughs) So like even luckier for Tiffany, like in a city of, I don't know how many people I was going to say, a million people, but I have no idea how many people live in San Diego. I'm so bad at like telling you how many people are in a room. In a city of 300,000 to 10 million people. uh, The next day, Brian, before Brian could do anything else, Brett, just like comes across Brian sitting at this little cafe table in downtown San Diego. And so he confronts his brother. And at first Brian is like, Oh, I'm just here starting a new life. I'm trying something new. But Brett is like, fuck you. You're not, I know you're not. And so finally Brian explodes and says, tells him that he is there to kill Tiffany and her boyfriend. And he says to Brett that he wants to cut them and watch them bleed. Oh my God. So Brett is terrified because Brian is completely unhinged and he knows that he was, you know, he's obsessed and he didn't actually believe Brian would do it. But he's just like, I need I need some time to talk him out of this. So he agrees to take Brian uh, to Walmart to buy a knife. And he's just like hoping that some he sometime along the way he's going to be able to like just get him to abandon this plan. So they get to the store and Brett's like getting something out of the trunk. And then when he closes the trunk, Brian is gone. So Brett is now like, oh, God, he's going to go kill her. He knows that I'm not going to allow that happen. And so Brett calls 911 and he tells him he doesn't know where his brother went, but he thinks he's going to kill someone. And so police thankfully respond. And since they have the description and the location, after searching for two hours, uh, with Brett, they track Brian down and arrest him. Oh, thank God. Yeah. And he was one mile from Tiffany's home when they found him. Oh, my God. Can you imagine, like, just having no idea that somebody is out there, like, I know, writing, making lists of how they're g- going to kill you and obsessing over murdering you? That's just so – somebody that you have no idea even no, – Yeah. It's – it's yeah, it is. It's oh. unimaginable. I cannot imagine – this woman's life, like just how unsafe she felt and probably still feels. Mm-hmm. Um, so Brett actually told police that that Brian had acknowledged that he knew that Tiffany probably didn't have anything to do with it, but that she represented the closest point of retribution to the catfisher. So he was just like, yeah, I know she probably didn't have anything to do with the catfish, but wow. she still deserves to die, wow. as does her boyfriend. Wow. So not surprisingly, officials take him to directly to the hospital for psychiatric right. evaluation. Um, while he is interviewed by an intake staff, he tells them that he traveled to San Diego to, quote, kill a slut. Um, and Brett told the police that um, – his brother had said that he wanted to see them die a slow and painful death. So he was evaluated. And um, in October of 2011, he was um, found not not competent to stand trial. He was um, transferred to a medical center in Springfield, Missouri, where he was treated by a forensic psychologist um, who quote, restored him to competency. So my guess is that they medicated him. He eventually was allowed to stand trial and he was found guilty of traveling across state lines with the intent to kill and he got the maximum sentence, which can you guess what it was? Like eight years or something? Five five years. (gasps) Oh my God. So in January of 2016, he was released. Yeah. 
And um, and Tiffany actually never found out who was behind that Brittany Cavallari Facebook page or who hacked into her photo bucket account. Oh, my goodness. I know. So uh. I would say, like, on the plus side, no one died in that story. Yeah. But on the, on the minus side, there's – that's it's like really unsatisfying and horrible. It is. And it's just <laughs> it's really it's, super creepy. <laughs> it's just so um disheartening how how someone just fucking around on the internet can completely ruin people's lives and possibly cost people their lives. Yeah. It's yeah. just no more catfishing, you guys. And I think that I mean, and they never um found out who the person was that catfished. I mean, not that it really matters, the person that catfished Brian. Um, but yeah, but there's no, I mean, who knows who that actually was? Like, it's all just, ugh, it's so scary. Yeah. So scary. Um, anyway, that's my crazy story. Do you have a good one? Do you have a nice um, story? Well, so what's wild is that my love story this week has to do with people meeting on the internet. But no it way! it has a happy ending. See, that's how we do. Yeah. The yin, and, the yin and the yang. The yin and the yang. <laughs> um, so this love story comes from an article for honeynine.com. And here's what's crazy too. It's also set in Australia. No way! Yes. Good day, mate. Good day. Um, <laughs> this is uh, – I apologize to our Australian listeners. I know. I'm we can't so, do so that. So bad at accents. So, so bad. bad. <laughs> um article written by April Glover for Honeynine.com. Two years ago, a woman named Georgie Edie, spelled E-E-D-Y, I'm not sure if that's Eddie or Edie, um, but she's from North South Wales and she's a single mom, was on an online dating site when she met a man named Tim, I want to say Crichton, Crichton, it's C-R-I-C-H-T-O-N. Why are your names so hard to pronounce, guys? <laughs> I think it's Crotty. Is it Crichton? <laughs> they met online and um, they started, um, they just started chatting and they found that they connected really well. But then she didn't realize that, um, how old he was. When she looked at his age, she said that she freaked out a little bit because uh, he was quite a bit younger than her. So she was 49 and he was 41, which I don't think is that big of a difference, but. It's kind of a difference, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, she was a single mom. So that kind of adds to the fact that it's a, a little bit of a difference. So she was um, tentative at first when she met him to keep talking to him because uh, she said that she had been burned before and she didn't want, ha want to have her heart broken again. So at first they decided to keep talking online just as friends, but after a while they just couldn't deny that they had a connection. So um, they soon started spending hours and hours um, talking on the phone and then they learned every little detail about each other's lives. Georgie said that Tim's father got really sick and passed away before we were able to meet and I lost my father when I was a teenager. So that took things to a different level because I understood what he was going through. So they oh, kind of yeah. connected on a deeper level, you know, yeah. Um, she said it wasn't just fun chatting. It was deeper and we showed we could support each other emotionally. And I think that's where the most intense feelings come from. He actually lived two hours away from her. She lived in Manildra, uh, which is also in Australia. 
so um, they wanted to meet each other, but they were really nervous that when they would meet each other in real life, then, you know, maybe the connection wouldn't be there. Like maybe it would just ruin it by meeting in real life, you know? And I can see that being a little scary that like when you feel like you're really connecting with someone, you don't want to like ruin it so it's hard to like take a step in either direction you know what I mean yeah yeah it feels like such a fragile thing right yeah so one night when Georgie and um, Tim were on the phone and they were on speakerphone and um, talking and her family was around her her oldest daughter Becky just said uh, the words that would change their lives for forever she said oh for god's sake you two should just get married you're perfect for each other and they said that that was the push that they needed and then so then uh right after that georgie and tim started um full-on planning their wedding <laughs> together even though they had never met in person um the, they actually had never even facetime they had only sent a few pictures to each other so this is very similar to the last no picture, way only <laughs> Has a happy ending. Yeah. So they at <laughs> Spoiler, that point, Jen. I know. Well, it's a love story. So they had been chatting uh, for seven months at that point, and they decided, okay, we've made it seven months. Let's not meet until our wedding day. So <gasps> there, apparently, there were days where they definitely could have met up, and they talked about meeting beforehand. But then they decided that they know they wanted to keep it special on their wedding day for that to be the first time that they ever met. Uh, They said that we wanted our reaction to be genuine and we didn't want to ruin it. Two months after they had decided to get married over the phone, in November of 2019, they finally met at her farm and um, but they didn't meet until they were walking down the aisle. That's the first time she saw Tim. And so Tim said that he had promised to look at his new wife in the eye the moment that they met, but he was so overcome with love and emotion that he tried to look away. Oh. I know. And then Georgie said, the second he finally turned around, our eyes locked and it felt like I was at home. I wasn't nervous anymore. I knew it was right. And he was everything I thought he was. And so even though... um, this is a really unusual way to meet and marry. Apparently, all of their friends and family were 100% supportive. Georgie said, from the second that everyone saw us together, they totally understand it all. It was absolutely awesome, and there was no stress. It was just love and fun. She said that people say to them all the time, it's like you've been married for years. She said, we love telling people our story because they get so surprised and can't believe we've only been together for two years. So they were together for seven months. Well, they had the seven-month-long courtship over the phone, and then they've yeah. been married uh, the rest of the time. And so, <sighs> uh, and then after a year of their marriage, they decided to move to North South Wales. North South Wales, mid North Coast, and open up their own cleaning business. Um, they said that they're a match made in heaven and they love every minute that they're together. She said, We never get sick of each other. If one of us gets up to go to the toilet, we'll text each other. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> but she said, We're just best friends who love being together. I spent a lot of my life not being happy and I chose happiness. Oh, I love that. I love it too. I love that for them. I think it's so great. I can't wait to see pictures. I think that is like, I just love people who like know and they know and they take a leap of faith and they, like you said, like she was like, I chose happiness. Yeah. Like fucking yes. Sometimes you just have to choose happiness and know that you deserve it and take that leap of faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it so much. Me too. Thanks for telling that story. No problem, dude. That's my job as a journalist. (laughs) 
I assume you'll be following up with them. Uh, yes, I will. It's my obligation, my moral duty and obligation. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do something dumb and something we love. Okay, let's do it. Um, so this is something dumb and something I love. So last week I talked about how I'm recording an album and I'm just saying it because whatever curse it's not going to get me this time. I've been booking some dates to get prepared for the album recording and um, through Helium. Um, and they have a bunch of comedy clubs. So I've been getting some dates at their comedy clubs. And so I was going back and forth with their booker about like when I can do their St. Louis club. And so he's offering me these different dates that I couldn't do. And then finally he was like, how about uh, May, or you happen to be available May 12th and 13th. And I was like, oh my God, I'm actually going to be in St. Louis because I'm that's where my friend Grace lives. Oh, and wow. Aaron, yeah, and Erin is coming in with her kids, and I'm taking Max. And so I was like – and as actually the weekend before my album recording, so I was like, that would be perfect timing. Um, and and so I'm like, you know, texting Erin and Grace, and I'm like, listen, I know this is like we're supposed to have this like weekend together with our families, but like uh, could you like watch my kid at night while I do comedy? <laughs> and like they were like, of course, my God, whatever is – whatever we can do to support you, we'll totally – like we'll have Max. It'll be totally fine. It'll be great. Um, That's amazing. And then, yeah, and then ended up like that was like – he it was like miscommunication. He like sent me the wrong date, so it wasn't that weekend. Oh. Um, I was like, oh, sorry, guys, false alarm. They're like, yeah, it's like you – you know, it was like a test of the emergency friend system. <laughs> like, yeah. What, what would they say? Like, would you be like – You're like yeah. that guy that faked his suicide. <laughs> but like I did it for real. But they totally – they stepped <laughs> up. <laughs> they did. They They're were such like, we great love friends. it, of course. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so that's something dumb. And the thing I love is just that like, you know – I mean, I know you would do the same, Jen, and I would do the same for your kids. It's just like, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course I would, you know, take your kids. I don't care. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love your kids. Um, So that was like, that was really great. So what do you got? Um, I guess for something done this week. um, So Louise, I got a call, which every parent gets these calls all the time. You get a call from the nurse's office smack in the middle of your work day that Louise has a fever. And Mm -hmm. so um, it was like a low fever. It was like 100.5 which for kids that's very low right but it's still something so you know I had to like and then you know everybody's worried about COVID and stuff so I'd like go pick her up from the nurse's office leave work and um you know give her a COVID test everybody was panicking negative thank god I gave her a couple of tests they were all negative but um she was like totally fine and yeah. it was like bouncing off the walls, having a great time. I had to keep her home from school the next day because you can't – like if a kid has a fever, you can't bring them back to school the next day. And all day long, she was like bouncing off the walls. Like it was like a snow day, having so much fun. My mom came down. They like – she played charades with her. She did a scavenger – like Louise yeah. made a scavenger hunt. And she like <laughs> – for Sully when he got home from school. And she was like dancing and having the best time. And then I felt so bad because I was like, okay, you're going back to school tomorrow. And she's like, great. I want to go back to school tomorrow. I was like, great. And then um, last night I was so tired. I was like, I finally had fought, like gotten everybody to bed. And I like laid down in my bed and I like, I was like nine, like 20 or something. And I just started to doze off. I doze uh-huh. off. And then all of a sudden Louise comes in my room. She's like, mom, I'm, what if I do get sick? I'm afraid. And I was like, no, go to bed. Get shut it down. I'm like, I'm usually so like, like, 
like oh, gingerly yes. with her and like, oh, yes. baby, what do you need? Come here. I love you. Like, and, <laughs> But I was just like, uh-uh, not even. You're not going to pull it. And then this morning, like we were getting ready for school and um, she was fine bouncing off the walls and was like, I had so much fun with grandma yesterday. And I was like, it's great. And then, she, and then as soon as we started to walk out the door, she goes, uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, are you coughing? And she's like, I just, um, maybe. And I was like, no. And I was like, Lulu, you cannot. Like, I was like, are you coughing for real? Or are you coughing for show? And she was like, I don't know what that means. So it was like, I was like, you know, for real or like, are you just coughing for show? And she's like, well, I think what if I do get sick? And I was like, Louise, you can't go to school coughing like that. Cause then everybody's going to think I just sent a COVID kid back to school. Right. And like, she just doesn't get it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. She's a child. But and then I was just like, <laughs> am I a total fucking asshole mom? Like, was that one of those moments where like, she's going to like grow up and, and that's going to stay with her of like that time. My mom was like mean to me when I was coughing. <laughs> <laughs> had no patience for me when I came to her room at night. Like, no, the the I one felt time like such an asshole. Yeah, oh, you're not an asshole. It is, you know. Oh man, the other night I was putting Max to bed and he's just like chit chatting, you know. But it's nine o'clock and I'm like, you have to go to sleep and I have to go to sleep. Please go to sleep. Like just like I'm so tired. You're so tired. And I just started going like shh, shh. Like he's like, but mom, and then I and then I'm just like shut, shut. <laughs> Like, Stop it. Yes, I yeah. was just like, oh my God, I don't know what else you have going out of my mind. I know. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I was just, I just felt like, I, because I know her so well, I felt like that was her wanting to stay up a little bit later by tugging on my heartstrings, even though she yeah. had fun all day long. And I knew her like going to school was like, I was sick yesterday. Guys. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I was like, shut that shit down. Bring it out, Louise. <laughs> <laughs> No, you're going you're to school mom. and I'm going to work. <laughs> oh. Uh, no, man. Well, thanks for your support. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I guess the something I love is that she's not actually sick. So that's great. We dodged that bullet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's it for me. That's all I have this week. Well, you guys reach out to us. We love hearing from you. You can find us on all the socials. Um, we're at Dumb Love Podcast. You can rate and review us. You can send us an email. Why don't you email us your love stories? We love hearing those. Um, that is dumblovepod at gmail.com. Or please just tell a friend. Help spread the word. We would love that. We would love that. And don't forget to get out there and do something dumb for love. Dumb, da-dum, dumb, 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 dumb,